everyone. Welcome to the Fourth Quarter Podcast. Uh, and without further ado, let's give it up for Roger. Okay. Hey, thanks, Domingo. Uh, I want to continue just my meanderings through my observations of 70 years of life, 50 years of pastoring, and 50 years of marriage. Uh, and look today at the third of the lessons that are part of my overall thoughts of lessons from late in the fourth quarter. And that is this. One of the things I've, I've learned in life is we've got to face our fears. Face your fears. Uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt made that um, statement that a lot of people know where he said, the, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Now, it's not unusual to look for the quietest path through life to avoid all dangers and therefore be spared any challenges. It's not unusual, just unrealistic, because it simply doesn't happen that way. The charm dream of a spouse, two delightful children, a friendly dog, all blissfully living the American dream in a cute little house with a white picket fence around it is precisely what it says it is. It's a dream, but it's not reality. Even on the quest for the most tranquil path, it's impossible to avoid being stretched at times by situations that arise. But I have found that the scariest experiences have opened the door to some of the most fulfilling adventures I have had. I've never been one to look for tranquility. I'm wired to always ask what's next, push the limits, and never to believe the word impossible. That's made life interesting and frightening too. But I reckon the pathway to our greatest potential is often straight through our greatest fears. While I've traveled a great deal on ministry adventures over the years, I'm seldom happier than when my wife and I are headed off to some warmer climate by ourselves, where we'll have nothing else to do but sit on a beach and read a book. Arriving in Tampa Airport, Florida, a few years ago, Heading for sun and sand, we went to the rental car desk and completed the necessary paperwork to pick up our ride for the week. Everything else seemed to be in place as the agent came to the final question, which gas plan do you prefer? We were assured the vehicle had a full tank so we could bring it back full, bring it back with whatever gas was left in it and pay them an inflated price to refill the tank, or we could pay for the full tank now and bring it back empty. I've no idea why. I've never done it before or since. But I decided to pay for a full tank up front. And we went our merry way to seven restful days on the Gulf of Mexico. The week went well. The car served us well. But the day before we were due to fly back to New York, something happened that totally dictated how we would spend our last 24 hours there. I'd gone to buy a cup of coffee early that morning and to my great horror, realised we still had half a tank of gas. Now, I'm no cheapskate, but I'd paid for the full tank, was at liberty to use that full tank, and it was totally in order for me to turn that car back in empty. And that was what I was determined to do. I mean, God bless Hertz, but there was no way they were getting a penny more of my money than they deserved. That was my gas. 
When I got back to the condo, Jill was ready for the day's adventure and asked, what would you like to do today since it's our last day? I replied, let's go for a drive. Where, she inquired. Anywhere, I said. We have half a tank of gas that we've paid for, and there's no way on earth I'm giving it back to them. And drive we did. I couldn't tell you where. It wasn't about the where. It was more about how far. Far enough to watch the gas gauge go so low that when I pulled into the rental car return area at Tampa International Airport the next morning, I swear I heard the engine cough as it burned the very last drop of gas when I stopped the car. Mission accomplished. And that's how I want to live my life. So that when I slip into my grave, the final drop of energy, the sum total of potential, will have been used up. I want to leave this earth on empty. Or to use the words of George Bernard Shaw, I want to be thoroughly used up when I, when I die. For the harder I work, the more I live. Life is no brief candle to me. It's a sort of splendid torch which I've got hold of for a moment and I want to make it burn as brightly as possible before handing it on to future generations. That's my view of life and particularly during this last quarter. It's pretty much summed up in Emma Bombeck's well-known quote. When I stand before God at the end of my life, I would hope I would not have a single bit of talent left. I could say, I used everything you gave me. Now, in pursuing that goal, it's impossible to eliminate fear from our lives. In fact, fear can be healthy. It can help propel us to the next level of our knowledge of ourselves. And while I'm certainly not suggesting we go out looking for situations that frighten us, I'm convinced the pathway to our best lives does involve facing our fears rather than avoiding them or fleeing from them. Our goal should not be avoiding fear, but facing it and mustering the courage to chase our dreams, however scary that path may be at times. Nelson Mandela put it this way, The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. I gather they're in the region of 2,000 classified fears, though I do suspect the list is growing all the time. Many of us have been familiar with the more common conditions like claustrophobia, the fear of enclosed spaces, agoraphobia, the fear of open spaces, acrophobia, fear of heights. Then there are the more obscure ones like photophobia, the fear of looking bad in photographs. Nomophobia, the fear of being without a phone or cell phone coverage. And my own personal favourite, which is almost impossible to pronounce, <laughs> Araki beauty rophobia, the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. The battle's real, folks. Yet researchers tell us that we were born with only two innate fears. The fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. All others are apparently learned. 
And the good news is, therefore, they can be unlearned or overcome. They're certainly not intended to be a permanent part of our makeup. The Bible puts it this way in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Nevertheless, while fear can be a very real thing, facing our fears can reap dividends we never imagined. In the spring of 2003, I went down to the Dominican Republic to meet up with friends who'd been engaged in missionary work there, but whose present assignment was coming to an end. Our church had been able to support them financially in their ministry, and we were happy for this to continue if there was some scope for them to keep on working down there in some capacity. But what would they do? Sitting with them on the patio of a less than salubrious hotel in Susua one afternoon, it was clear that God had already dropped into Robin Kelly Nelson's hearts what was next. They explained that there was very little adequate medical care in that part of the country, especially among the poor rural communities. Kelly was a very capable nurse, and Rob was gifted in sharing the gospel. So their plan was to go into these remote communities and offer a mobile medical clinic. Taking care of the people's health needs would perhaps also open up doors to talk to them about God's love. That sounded like a great plan to me, and they certainly weren't inclined towards leaving the island anyway, feeling that there was still work to be done. When I asked them what they would need to get started, Kelly told me they could really do with a whole load of over-the-counter medications. And she provided me with an extensive list that I shared with our church when I got back home. I'll pause for a moment here to mention that our church family is incredibly big-hearted. And they're some of the most caring folks I have ever met. As always, our folks gave incredibly generously. And the next step was simply to get someone to carry all these medical supplies down there. Stephen and his wife had been worshipping with us for several years. And though I hadn't got to know them that well, I was aware they were committed Christians and had been for a long time. Stephen had retired from the CIA, but... While they were both very faithful in church attendance, they, they appeared a little distant. I, I was therefore quite surprised when Stephen offered to take the first consignment of medications down to the DR. With one condition, he would need a lot of prayer. As we talked, he explained why this was the case. Apparently, he had a bad experience flying years before, and had been afraid to board a plane from that day to this. The situation was so real that though they had a daughter who lived on the West Coast, the only way he would ever make the cross-country trip to visit her was by train. Stephen suffered from aviophobia, the fear of flying. It had dogged him and limited him for a long time. But now with God's help, he was about to confront it. Stephen made that trip, and there were several significant things that happened as a result of it. The first was that having conquered his fear of flying, 
he then embarked on a considerable number of other missions adventures that involved flying all around the world. Being set free from his fear opened up a whole new chapter to him. Secondly, his willingness to face his fear meant that Robin Kelly's vision for Island Impact Ministries got off the ground and went on from there to touch the lives of thousands of people in the Dominican Republic and neighbouring Haiti and is still ongoing. Thirdly, in the hotel in the DR where he stayed, Stephen got into conversation one evening with an American doctor who showed an interest in what he was doing and would soon start bringing surgical teams down there to add to the scope of Island Impact Ministries considerably. All that because one man would not let fear rule him any longer. In the words of the great theologian Yoda, fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Or in the words of a human being, Henry Ford said this, one of the greatest discoveries a man can make, one of his great surprises, is to find he can do what he was afraid he couldn't do. I've come to the conclusion that if you feel God wants you to do something and it doesn't scare you, it's probably not God. He likes to lead us into projects that are bigger than ourselves, that we couldn't possibly accomplish alone, because unless we get to that place, we don't need him. But when the challenge is so big, it terrifies us. That leaves a huge gap that God will step into and where we will see him doing some of his best work. We'll talk more about this next time. Hey, welcome back. Domingo here with Roger. The first thing I'll just jump into, Roger, 50 years is a long time for any profession, any career, uh, let alone pastoring. Um, I think something that's universal in like anything, though, is that fear of failure is like a real thing. It cripples people. It stops them before they ever do anything. You're not really that type. And fair to say, you've probably had a couple failures in your life, right? One or two? Yeah, if you give me a few minutes, I might be able to make one up. <laughs> yeah, sure. How, how do you, how does, how? How, after 50 years now, clearly something that you've worked through, how do, how do people overcome that fear of failure to get on to do what God wants them to do? The simple answer is you just keep going. Um, yeah, yeah. Be, because there will, see, see there, there will always be, there will always be the two voices in your head mm. that are telling you, one saying, go for this, and the other saying, you're going to screw it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? So, so there's always yeah. going to, there's always going to be that. Yeah. There, you, you know, the, I, I found sort of with some of the major decisions that I've made, um, you know, for instance, you know, when we launched this church in 1998, yeah. um, there was no guarantee of success. Mm, yeah. um, I had planted a church in Scotland in 1984 uh, that had gone really well for a number of years. Yeah. And then we had a whole bunch of things that hit us 
that I saw the thing starting to really disintegrate. Yeah. Um, and eventually, um, after I moved to the United States, not long afterward, the, the church actually closed. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that is in the back of my mind yeah. when I'm over here now and it's 1998 and it's, hey, I think I should go plant a church. It's like, yeah, well, the last one did good for a while, but it didn't keep going, wow, did it? Wow, um, yeah. so, so that's in the, you know, that's in the back of your mind. Yeah. But what you've got to do is, is this thing. You see, if you're pushing forward mm. in any area in life, it's never going to, there's never going to be guaranteed success. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's not go for the job interview because I might not get it. Right? Yeah, no, because yeah. there's no, you know, what yeah. if I, what if it doesn't happen? But, yeah. but, but what if it does happen? Yeah. You know, let's not talk to this person about my faith in Jesus because yeah. they might really get offended with me. <laughs> but what if they say, thank you, I really needed to hear that? Yeah. Uh, and so you, you got to keep going. So, yeah. you know what? Faith and fear are partners, man. They live mm. side, oh, side by it. side. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you know, in an ideal world, we say, oh, they are mutually exclusive. If you're in faith, there's no fear. If you're in fear, there's no faith. Yeah, that's true. But they can fluctuate, mm. you know, 30 seconds at a time. Yeah. One minute you're in blind panic. The other minute you're in unconquerable uh, euphoria. Yeah. But you got to just keep going. Oh, it's so good. Um so as being a pastor, another thing that comes to mind that I think of how you dealt with over the years, uh, just basic, I think another fear people struggle with is the fear of disappointing people. Not that you're doing anything wrong, but yeah. just you're not going along the path they want to go or not yeah. making the decision. How has that been something kind of wrestling with over the past, yeah, 50 years? I, I Obviously, <clears throat> if you give your life to serve other people, which is what Jesus says we all yeah. should be doing because that's yeah. what he did. Yeah. If you give your life to serve other people, you want to do your utmost to do that. Yes. Um, so that means, you know, you, you do your best to um, lift them up, encourage mm. them, help them. But one, one thing that's important in leadership is you can't always please everybody. Yeah. yeah. Um, and much as you want to, because I want everybody to like me as much as the next <laughs> guy does. Right? Yeah. I don't want anybody to fall out with me. Mm. Um, I just want to be liked. I want to be loved. Yeah. And, and, uh, but the fact is this. It comes back to when the apostles in the book of Acts were told, you know what, we're going to let you go, but you mustn't preach about Jesus anymore. And they said, well, you know, you make your own minds up whether we should obey God or you. But you know what? Sorry, it's God. Yeah. And there yeah. come points in a leader's life yeah. um, where you've, you've got to, as lovingly and caringly as you can, yeah. say to people, I hear you yeah. and I hear your heart but I've got to do what God tells me to do. Yeah. Now, those are the kind of encounters that have you awake during the night because mm. fear is there. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you do? But you, you, can't, you can't duck out of them. Mm. You've got to face that, you know? Now, sometimes, and very often, those things turn out way better than you imagine. Mm. <laughs> Other times, the person curses you out to your face, which has happened to me more than once, <laughs> yeah. gets up and leaves the room and um, questions, you know, whether your parents were married. But it's, you know, that, that's happened too, you know? Yeah. Um, 
But but you just you know what we're back to this Domingo. Yeah. You just keep going. You just keep going, right? Yeah. How, how do you keep pastoring for fifty years? You just keep, keep going. going. You just keep showing up. It's like a mindset shift, right? Is this something, Roger? Like honestly, truly, is this just something that kind of you think we all have strengths that we just as you were ingrained with? Was this something you had to work on over the? Or was it just? Something? Oh yeah, I think you yeah. get. I think as years go by, you yeah. you, you get stronger there. Like, yeah, you, know? you just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. That's hard, man. Yeah. And there's a lot of fears that could pop in your head that, like you said, will stop you in your tracks before you even get there. Um, yeah, I love the story you shared in the end about Stephen, right? Let me, yeah. Let me know the name of the guy we just talked about. Can we changed the name to protect the innocent. I yeah. could imagine, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I talked about something as simple as a, a, a member of your church, and that's got to be encouraging to you as the pastor, right? Because ultimately, as a pastor, the example you said is what people are going to follow, right? In a yeah. really beautiful way. So that's encouraging to see someone who you wouldn't expect that from, uh, not only just overcome a fear, but out of that, all of these kind of like incredible blessings come with. Uh, so I guess to close out, Roger, we're obviously in a time where there's a lot of fear um, in general that people are struggling with. Just a word of encouragement uh, for people going through fear. And kind of yeah, f- fear's a liar. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Fear's That's a liar. So good. You know, yeah. there's, there's a quote I read years ago. I can't remember whose it was. Let's yeah. pretend I said it. Um, said, my life has been faced with incredible challenges yeah. and incredi- incredible battles, most of which never happened. Ah, that's okay. Because you lived afraid of them. That's it's okay. like fear's a liar. Amen. Yeah. But God's faithful. Oh, yeah, that's perfect. God, thank you guys. Uh, if you haven't realized yet, Rogers explained over again the beautiful thing about this podcast is it ebbs and flows with the writing of a book that will be at the end of all this, right, Rod? Yeah, it will. Yeah, it will. I bet. Thank you, Jesus. So uh, thank you guys uh, for listening. And any feedback you guys get is always appreciated. Please, uh, messages, comments, anything, uh, text to Roger. Roger, what's your email again? Roger at GenesisLI.com. What's a great website that you can find out about Genesis Church? GenesisLI.com. <laughs> yeah, please, guys. Uh, thank you for listening. Be sure, if you do listen to podcasts, uh, share it, whether you're on iTunes, you listen to it on the uh, webpage. But if you're on iTunes, uh, subscribe. It lets you know uh, us know that you're listening. It makes us want to do more of these, right, Rod? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> All right, and that's it. Thanks so much uh, for listening to this week's episode of the Fourth Quarter Podcast. Yeah.